Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning and welcome to Miller and Condon. It's a Thursday, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Trent Condon, Ken Miller with you for the next couple of hours as we talk sports with you on the BMW of Des Moines guest list here today. We're going to start in about 25 minutes with our friend Dave Sinek and theheadcheese.com. Uh, for the time being, there's Thursday night football going to be played tonight uh, with a facsimile of what the uh, 49ers looked like last time uh, they took the field. Boy, oh boy, it's injuries, it's COVID. I'm surprised in uh, in a number of aspects that this game is going forward. It seems like the NFL at least on the surface, might be relaxing some of the protocols that they had in place as far as numbers to get this game in as they're running out of weeks and running out of wiggle room to reschedule games should they have to get to that point uh, and uh, therefore avoid a Week 18, which I believe that they clearly want to do. Uh, but we'll see. And the game, as of now, is going to be played. Alan Lazard is on the plane, or was yesterday. He's headed to San Francisco with a determination still to come at some point today whether the former Cyclone is going to be able to suit up uh, and provide uh, Aaron Rodgers with another receiving threat. Uh, so we'll talk about that with Dave Sinek. And Lee Sterling will get into the gambling aspect of some of the games that will unfold this weekend. ParamountSports.com uh, for Lee uh, not a winning week. He pushed last week with us, at least. We'll find out how he did, but he's been on a terrific role. Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports. Maybe get to him a couple of minutes before uh, 10.50 when we're scheduled, as we seem to cut him short at the very end. John Bowen Camp is going to talk about the Hawkeyes. John Walters is going to talk about the Cyclones at 11.20 and 11.40, respectively, is uh, uh, we take you up until noon. A lot of action from yesterday. How are you, first of all, TC? I'm doing well. How about you over there? Making Good. your way through, and uh, did you get some sleep finally last night? I slept pretty well last night. Yeah. I, I did. It you was... didn't even mention yesterday. What did you say? Two hours of sleep oh, the night before? I, I just couldn't sleep. I was just so... I was into it. Yeah, I was too. You know, seeing the back and forth. and You know what I was really into as much as anything? The betting angles of this. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the UK, the betting exchanges, how it fluctuated throughout the night. Folks, there's going to be three... There could be... $3 billion being left on the table by not having this legalized in the United States, that you can't wager on your own election, but everybody else around the world is. And think about the taxable money. That's just it, right? $3 billion, that's what, just the UK. Yeah. We're a bigger country than that. Uh, five states got gambling, I think, as of Tuesday. Enough. I mean, I saw Tennessee was, uh, has finally gone live. They're online only. Did you see that? I don't know if there's any casinos in Tennessee. Oh, maybe that's the reason behind it. But yeah, they're online only as uh, they went live, I think, last week. But more and more being added. You know who was, and this surprised me, and I I did not see the final. Nebraska, apparently. Because you had told me that's going to be one of the last. Yeah, (laughs) That was the the consensus amongst um, gambling industry people. Mm Mm-hmm. That because I you know have some contacts at tracks over there and try to you know uh, get my foot in the door with some that'll never be expanded. They'll never be expanded gambling in Nebraska. Well, um, there they go. I don't know how it finished, but anyway. So um, yeah, I got some sleep. Uh, I think a lot of people did. Mm-hmm. Just uh, just uh, uh, watching Darren Ravel's Twitter 
um, feed just go up and down with the ebbs and flows. It was just a crazy, I don't have to tell anybody that. So uh, that's the program today. Mr. Maxion got a push last did night. Did you get a push? Yeah. yeah. How many games did you watch? Uh, I flipped around a little bit. Yeah. I never got stuck on one. See, I did. I got stuck on the uh, the Ohio game. Maybe because Bill Bender, our buddy from the Sporting News, is a uh, graduate. Mm-hmm. And it was a pretty good football game. It I mean, was, it was yeah. the back and forth and not decided until the last minute. One of the few games, I guess yours notwithstanding, uh, that really had some drama because I think Ohio... Uh, kicked as a three-point favorite somewhere around there. It was a push most of the week, mm-hmm. but the money came in, and Ohio moved to a three-point favorite. So I watched that last night. Uh, there'll be options tonight, and then uh, obviously more tomorrow, including BYU and Boise State, which is at 845, and that one's got incredible game, huge ramifications, no doubt about it. Yeah, so, I probably I, I found myself in the Ball State-Miami-Ohio game over on CBS Sports Network the most. Okay. Just because a couple of former Hawkeyes there watching Manny Ragumga mm. uh, for Miami of Ohio. So watch that probably the most out of everything. But still, it's some bad football. Yeah, it's, 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 it's different, it right? It is, yeah. yeah. Do you see Akron started the action season? They... The curtain went up with an onside kick. I love and it. And he got the ball, but was he was he was the one of the members of the kicking team offside and they called it back? Yeah. That's what I thought. They got out to an early lead and then and that was it. quickly realized <laughs> yeah. that they are Akron. Couple of bad teams there. Chris Creighton, I continue to sing his praises. That team was decimated by graduation, Eastern Michigan. They got the cover last night, and that dude can coach. I, I just I wonder let's fast forward however long. Iowa will need a coach in the foreseeable future. Oh, so you think he'd be? Would he be on your list? He'd be on my list. Uh-huh. He's down there. I mean, he's he's in the top ten. Okay. Just seeing what he did with the program that was on its way to being shuttered. There's one other guy that's done that that I can think of, and that was Bill Snyder, at Kansas yep. State. Yep. There were real conversations mm-hmm. in the '80s of leaving the Big Eight and just not it was playing a football. Stock, right? They were that bad. Yep. They were continually pummeled. Of course, not just by everybody in the league, but you and I went down there back when you didn't see that happen very often back in the one double A days, and they beat them up good a couple mm. of different times. That was an, atro- an atrocious program. Juco's changed that yes. pattern around, did they not? He uh, he figured out the way to win at Kansas State, and Chris Creighton has done the same at a place that people say you can't win at Eastern Michigan. Again, not high on my list, but a name at least to think about what he could do at a bigger program, what right. he could do with a place like Iowa. Who else is on that list? Oh, I haven't even thought about it. Mark yeah. Stoops, that's one that's pretty easy that people yeah. connect the dots. Mm-hmm. Obviously, played at Iowa. Mm-hmm. You get the connection there. He's done a nice job at Kentucky. He's done a terrific job. But if you're looking to bring your offense into the 21st century, eh, Kentucky is maybe not the, the place to be looking well, for Well, I think he's decently compensated. Yes, And yeah. I mean, we're in for a market correction. I think. I mean, these, oh, at least point. at some yeah. of these schools. So, Bears watching. Uh, we'll see. Um, you know, when once we get to that point, could be could be the end of the season. There's a lot of people that feel that way, that think that there's a chance, but uh, a little premature at this point. But there is some Iowa State news that I want to bring up, and I just came across this literally minutes before we went on the air, and I want to get your take on it. Jamie Pollard. Uh, due to a Freedom of Information Act, I've never heard of this publica- of this guy, Andy Wittry. Wittry, yep. D- had you heard of him before? No, I have not. Uh, Andy Wittry's his name. He, through a Freedom of Information, uh, gained access to a letter that Jamie Pollard sent to uh, Gene Smith over at Ohio State pursuant to pathways to uh, name, image, and likeness. 
because it's 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 seemingly going to get here, and I think Andy Witchery has something to do without a bounce, maybe. Okay. Um, but Witchery gained access to this letter in which Pollard spells out the two paths that he think he would like to see at least discussed. One of them is we'll give a kid a scholarship. We'll do we'll do business as usual. We'll give him everything that they he or she gets right now, and that scholarship at Iowa State uh, is valued for uh, in-state residents. Just about $22,000 is their benefit. Out-of-state, $37,000, and international students, it's worth about $41,000, meaning that's the price that they have to pay. So Pollard's plan is to give an option to the student-athletes and they have to check which box they want to pursue. Okay. So we'll let you go out and earn money on your name, image, and likeness, but only if you've chosen to do that. But if you do that, we're not going to give you your scholarship. You're going to have to pay for your tuition, for your room and board, and for your food, right? Mm-hmm. Which is Which goes into the normal scholarship. So... I mean, do you want a student athlete right out of high school? Making that decision. Do you want to make that decision? And if that's just done at Iowa State, I mean, if it's going to be done, it's going to have to be universal. Because why in the hell would you go to Iowa State when down the road they're letting you, we're giving you your scholarship and we're letting you keep what you earn? Mm -hmm. Well, and the other part that I think a lot of people maybe don't realize is people that come from low-income families Almost all of them get Pell Grants. So you look at it, they have a scholarship, but they also get additional money through those Pell Grants mm-hmm. that do not have to be paid back. And that is money that is coming in financially. When you look at this model, it doesn't make a lick of sense for the athlete. How many athletes are going to bring in, I mean, when you throw everything into it, seventy, eighty thousand $80,000 well, in a, endorsements? Uh, yeah, give me, give me a name on it. Man, how much Brock Purdy going to make? He might make. He might do okay. He would be the one, yeah, that would probably be doing okay. But if he has a bad year, yeah, <laughs> he has to go out and sell himself the next right, year, and all right. of a sudden he's not moving the uh, moving the needle at Acme Car mm-hmm. Dealership in Ames or in Des Moines. Meanwhile, Brees Hall's got everybody's attention, and Brees didn't get those endorsements. That money went to this player. Yeah, this isn't going to fly. Guy tears his ACL. That's Sorry. just it. Endorsements are dried up and. Second semester, figure out how you're going to come up with the cash. Right, but sorry, sorry, you chose you chose the option to capitalize on yourself. I just think that look, Pollard's made a lot of really good decisions mm-hmm. through this, and he's been a go-to guy when it comes to COVID protocols and the transparency that he's shown. Now, this wasn't made to be public. At least we don't believe so. Again, this was obtained to a freedom of information. Now, I don't know if it was Gene Smith they were looking into or mm-hmm. Jamie Pollard, but regardless, what. Give me a kid on Iowa State. Now, Niang, Monte Morris, mm-hmm. okay, those guys might break that threshold. They're out of state, so they would have need to make 38000 to break even before they pay the taxes because right, they're yeah. getting checks on it. And then they're not getting those Pell Grants because you're making that, that kind of income. That's just it. And that money is going to be taken away. I think more than anything reading through this is this is something, this is an idea coming from athletic directors and probably further up the ladder from them to try to tamp down. 
Mm-hmm. That's what they this don't is. want it. Right? They don't want it. Of right. course they don't. They yeah. they want it to be the way it used to be. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? It's not. Everything's changed. And this came out before COVID. Mm-hmm. This yeah. was this was written in November of 2019. Where in the past, yeah, Brock Purdy he can get something from the Toyota dealership up there for you know, a couple grand a month mm-hmm. and go do a couple autograph signings a year and a few other things. Right. And yeah, he can get there. What about the good offensive lineman? Yeah, I mean exactly. <laughs> what what is even a guy like Jaquan Bailey? Who was injured mm-hmm. and then came back? And what kind of money is there? Colin Newell. I mean, You're right? Yeah. You know, guys now he's like an Ames kid. Maybe that'd be a little bit easier for him. But yeah, just in general. But Trent, this takes away his opportunity to even make a thousand dollars during the year doing a card signing or a mm-hmm. memorabilia signing. Um, I don't know. This do you, is, this do you is... know the real reason that athletic departments are scared of this? Uh, I think once you open this door, just it's going to open other doors. I guess I don't know. I look at it like this. All right, so you go to a game and you see the big donors. We see the tarp that they put up or, or so people can't steal their signals on the football. Sponsored by Toyota. Right, yeah. Well, Toyota writes that it's check. Good. It's going gonna, it's gonna to cut into there. Right. Say they write uh-huh. a check. I don't know. I'm just spitballing. $250,000 a year. And isn't the Wilson sign behind the free throw shooter? In yeah, yeah. It is too, right? Yeah. So all of a sudden, well, instead of just giving two fifty here, let's... Still give a hundred. Yeah. We'll still get some signage. We'll still do some things. But we well, got to cut back because our budget's only this high, and we've devoted this much to player A. We can't buy that sign anymore. Well, all of a sudden you have a commercial with Brock Purdy, uh-huh. and you have a commercial with Xavier Foster, and you're spending that money there, and that money it's going to the athlete. It is not going mm-hmm. to the athletic department. And then you multiply that by dozens of different sponsorship deals that are out there. Their bottom line is going to be hurt yeah, by that's this. A good point. And that's I think more than anything. Why they don't like this? It's not that they hate this. And this athlete. is an Iowa. Well, this letter is an right. Iowa State thing. But you're exactly this is across the board. Right. This is for everybody. Everybody looks at these huge deals that they get and understand that these local companies are going to say, "Boy, we can get one of these athletes. and We can get them on the cheap. Mm-hmm. Probably spending a lot less money than we are currently in order to get these guys, and they're going to be in our commercial, and they're going to be part of this. Boy, this is a huge deal for this. On the marketing side, I think that is what. They're looking at and realizing this is going to impact the athletic department, what they bring in in terms of that marketing dollar. And I think this is what it ultimately comes back to. They don't want to lose that money. It's a huge part of what they do. And without it, again, you're going to be looking at more and more of that money taken away. And ultimately, what does that lead to for the student athlete? And and their students, too. And a lot of young people make bad decisions. We saw one last week in Iowa City. Now, what what if somebody sponsored him, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, he's endorsing a product. Um, and then all I'm sure this, there's this something. This isn't Pollard's best move. This is a bad, I think this is bad look for Jamie Pollard. See, and I don't see it that way because I think every athletic department is thinking this way. I don't think this is a Jamie Pollard thing. I think this is more college athletic directors across the country. Well, it's too bad he put his name on it then because <laughs> right, he's, the, he's yeah. the one that's going to have to own this. He got his caught with his hand it. in the cookie Absolutely. jar. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. But this wasn't Gene Smith it. writing a letter to Jamie Pollard. It mm-hmm. was the other way around. Then Smith would have looked bad. Uh, again, Pollard's made some good. This isn't. Uh, I don't think this is going to be on his list. All right. So, so more on this. Um, again, this just this just Greg Eisworth's a really good player. Yeah, yeah. But, but what, what's he going to push? You, are you going to buy anything based on what Greg Eisworth says? Solomon Young. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at all the look. Look at Hoiberg's last team, or or one of Prom's first teams. All of those guys. There's only so much money to go around. I mean, Niang's gonna, Niang and Morris are going to capitalize, but Michu Long, Matt Thomas, you know, Deontay Burton, are those guys going to be left out in the cold? Well, they took the, and the jealousy, you know? 
I mean, why, why? It's, it's one thing when your minimum salary at the professional level is still hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. And I, I'm sure there's some of that. And there's some guys that look around and say, this guy's making this much. But when you're talking at the collegiate level and you're just trying to scrape by and you see somebody rolling up in a brand new vehicle that they're not paying for or getting it part of their sponsorship deal, you say, well, I'm a better player than that guy. Uh-huh. And here I am driving around in my 1994 Volvo. Mm-hmm. Now that was handed down from my great uncle. Yeah, that, there's going to be more of that. Then you see at the professional Well, I'll level. use Zach Spears as an example. Zach Spears was a backup offensive lineman mm-hmm. at Iowa State. And a great dude. And a personality through the moon. I mean, a really funny, charismatic type of guy. And you're going to, you know, he's not a starter, but he's getting starter money for doing mm-hmm. endorsements. It's crazy. It's a Pandora's box in a lot of ways. It'll be interesting to see how this, but why can't you have both? Right. Why yeah. can't you? And have I think both? this is why they're trying to tamp it down because and both means you're gonna, the, their maybe the bottom line is going to be hurt. Yeah, maybe. I think that's probably fair, Trent Con, and I think it's fair. All right. More on that. I'm assuming in the days ahead, uh, and maybe here on this radio station throughout the afternoon, as this thing is uh, is literally uh, just breaking. Uh, so, do you have an opinion on this game tonight? I mean, <laughs> again, it seems too easy. It seems Packers all day long. San Francisco. Who's going to be out there? Who's going to be playing now? Green Bay has their own set of issues at uh-huh. the running back position. We'll see about Aaron Jones if he's able to go. I mean, if he's able to go tonight, I think it's a, a no doubter. And in fact, I'd probably lock it in right now before it gets. Well, it's over a touchdown now. I looked this morning; it was six. It's up to seven and a half now. By kickoff, Aaron Jones is able to play. Is this thing reached double digits? Mm. Yeah, maybe. Is it San Francisco back? has been decimated by injury already. Now you throw all these COVID issues on top of it. Their team. Who's going to be the quarterback? Is it Jimmy G? Is it Mullins? Is it C.J. Beathard? That direction. I think Who's catching the ball? Well, that's another thing. I think it's Mullins is going to get the game. Okay. I think Nick, Nick Mullins is going to start, but he started before and hasn't finished when there have been quarterback issues uh, in, in the program. So we'll see. By the way, yesterday with Maxion, I meant to update this for you. So we brought up that that bet at the Red Rocks, that uh, that prop that they put out. The entire Night of scoring last night in the MAC. Red Rock, a, uh, out in Summerlin, away from the Strip. If you ever get to Las Vegas and you're sick of the Strip and you want to get away, um, and but you want to go to a casino, that's terrific. It really is that. The M is really good. It's on the outskirts of town, South Point, uh, kind of as well. But Red Rock put out this prop that the total points scored in Maction yesterday would be, they, they set the, the total at 352 and a half. 352 and a half, Trent Condon. I took the over. You did take the over. And you know what? You'd be in line today if you were if you didn't bet mobile, you'd be cashing your ticket. Nice. 357, but oh. it's crazy that they got as close as they did. That is wild. I understand. I mean, you're just taking the totals of the game and adding them together and and maybe adjusting it just a little bit from but there. But these teams hadn't played a game yet. Right. And to be that close ultimately to the number, uh-huh. we had some blowouts, we had some huge scoring performances, and another team that scored three points right and to be that close to the number shows you the statistical models that these guys oh, use just amazing. they're crazy they really and truly are speaking of amazing if you looked at the nfl slate this week there's a couple of decent games uh, on the slate i'd put seattle and buffalo in the i don't know about it based on five stars i'm not sure i go five but yeah maybe four and a half it's pretty good I can buy that one. I mean, one. Two, division, two division leaders going up against each other. That's not bad. Baltimore and Indianapolis, a pair of five and two teams. And it just doesn't feel that way for Baltimore to continue. Who doesn't it feel that way? Well, well who's Baltimore, a fake five and two to you? 
they're not a fake five and two because they beat the teams that they should beat. But it but it they lost to like, Pittsburgh and they lost to the Chiefs, right? And that's the narrative with them that they should be a touch better than they are. They can't win the big game. Now, that's not exactly fair. I think that narrative goes too far. Well, the two teams we're talking about are clearly one and two in the AFC in whichever right. order you want. And, and you lost to those two teams, got out to an early lead in the game last week against mm-hmm. Pittsburgh. And, and this this narrative about Lamar Jackson can't win the big one. He's won big games. Last year, undefeated Patriots team, who was 9-0, I think, at the time. Who were they? Clubbed him. Yep. That was a big game. He went out there and won that I game. I don't think he's having the season that he did last year. I mean, that was an MVP season last right. year. And there there are some concerning things, but that's one that if you dig a little bit deeper, not just look at the 0-2 playoff record and the 0-2 against the big teams in the AFC this year, there is more to his resume than just that. I think that's a little bit unfair. And the Colts, they're a hard watch. They are. And Phil Rivers. Uh-huh. Boy, there's a team that maybe needed to bring in Fitz. Bring in a different veteran. Yeah, you know, I you know I, I've always been a Rivers fan, especially he's with the, when he was with the Chargers. Uh, he's he's one of those guys that I think you're going to look back. He's not having a bad year. No, it's just but, um, he's just you wanted to see stay with one. And like, you know what? That's not fair of me. You love the game of football. Who am I to sit here and tell you what to do? Uh, Sunday night football is really good as that's well. That's a great one. Yes. Uh, yeah, the, the afternoon window Bay. is not it's sterling. Not bad. Raiders Chargers will probably be yeah, entertaining. Come good. down to the wire and. Chargers will find a way to lose because well, that's what they do. But you know what? If if the Chargers are going to get back into this thing, mm-hmm. Trent, I mean, if you're a fan of the Chargers, just the gut punches. It's Sunday. It's week after week you get one. But if there's going to be another team that comes out of the AFC West, this is a pretty important game. Yeah. And the Chargers don't have a lot of wiggle room left the way that they've put themselves behind. They're 2-5. and five. Right. You have to be at minimum 9-7. Nine 9-7 nine and seven. And seven yeah. for sure, I would think. I, I just don't see an 8-8 eight eight getting there, even with seven teams in. In the AFC Which, this year. Here's a question for you. Which quarterback would you rather have to lead your Bears? Carr, Herbert. And say they're the same age. Oh, at the same age? Right. Oh, it's Herbert. Yeah, it is for sure. Yeah, yeah. He's already showing more than what we've seen out of Carr. Uh-huh. Carr is an above average, top 14 in the league kind of guy, that 13 to 15 range, but not any better than that. You know what? I saw a debate yesterday, and I, I, I didn't buy it for a second. I may, maybe I should have looked closer into it. Herbert or Burl? Oh, Burl. Right? Yeah. I mean, I never... That That offensive line for Cincinnati is awful. Last week, they started five reserves. Five guys that before the year, they didn't think... looked pretty good (laughs) for the first time. They played better than they had all season long with those five different reserves out there. That offensive line is bad. Yeah, it's Burl. You you can see the moxie in that guy. They're both incredibly talented. And in terms of pure talent, I think maybe you could argue arm talent that Herbert is better. Boy, Burl's got a pretty good arm. He does. I think Herbert... Is at the elite level, though? Burrow just a tick below him. But in terms of the quarterback, I want, yeah, it's Joe Burrow. Uh, between the years. And again, I've been, I totally missed on, uh, on Justin Herbert, so maybe my bias is showing. It's time for another $1,000 handoff. Text the keyword BANK to 200-200 right now. Your chance to win $1,000, that's BANK to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. He's the head cheese, DaveSinekin.com. More on the Thursday Night Affair is Lazard in or out. Maybe Sinekin's heard. We'll find out. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.
1030 Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Coming up, uh, Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports. In about 20 minutes right now, he's the head cheese.com. Dave Sinekin, he helps us out uh, weekly with the Green Bay Packers. This week is no different. Dave Trenton, Ken, thank you for joining us. How are you? Morning, guys. I'm good. I'm surprised the game's being played, Dave Sinekin. I really am. Seemingly, if this was you know, week two or week three when they... I don't know. It seems they were more stringent back then. I'm surprised this game is playing. What about you? Yeah, I don't know how you can uh, <laughs> argue the other way. I mean, the 49ers facility was shut down yesterday, the day before a game. I just, I, frankly, if the game was scheduled Sunday, I'd wonder if they'd already think about moving it to Monday or Tuesday. Mm. You know, and then in light of the fact that the Niners have been hit COVID with, you know, a couple of big time starters, we know Green Bay's running backs have been hit and are out, including a linebacker. I just, I mean, it just, it's all obviously all about TV and Fox wanting that game on Thursday night, but it sure feels like it would be a lot safer, a lot fairer for both teams to move the game to Monday or Tuesday at this point. Jamal Williams looked pretty good at the running back spot in uh, Aaron Jones's place the last few weeks. He's going to be out because of those uh, COVID restrictions that you mentioned. What about Aaron Jones? As he's working his way back from injury, and oh boy, the last thing you want to do is push this guy too hard and re-aggravate the injury. What are you hearing at the running back spot? Yeah, I don't think he's going to play. Um, I, I thought mm. the key was going to be the injury report yesterday. If it had said a full participation, which obviously they didn't practice, but if he would have had that designation, I think they, he would have been in line to play. I mean, he has not practiced, you know, this week because the team hasn't practiced. And I just, knowing Green Bay's doctors as I do, and yes, I know from a football standpoint, he's desperately needed tonight at that position, but he's too valuable. And I just, I get the feeling he's out. I think we're looking at Dexter Williams, the uh, draft pick from Notre Dame a year ago, who's been on the practice squad, and, and Tyler Irvin, the returner who, Came to Green Bay as a running back, but he was sort of transitioning to wide receiver this year. In fact, that's why he isn't on the COVID list, because he wasn't in the running back's room. He was with the receivers, but he's a guy they hand the ball off on jet sweeps, might be a gadget kind of player tonight. But that's that's really it uh, when it comes to running the football for Green Bay tonight. So it should be interesting. Well, that means Roger's going to put the ball in the air as one of those targets. Uh, Alan Lazard going to be available. I, I saw in your piece, Dave, that he flew at theheadcheese.com, uh, that he did fly with the team. He's in San Francisco, but no decision as of yet, or has there been an update as, as on his status for tonight? No, I haven't heard yet. You know, we're, they're out on the West Coast, so we haven't really right. had any news yet this morning. Um, I, I think it's a long shot, again, looking at Green Bay's history, knowing they've got 10 days after this, and then Jacksonville comes in, which should be you know, one of the easier games left on the schedule. It might be a nice way to ease both Jones and Lazard back into action. So I, you know, maybe I'll be surprised, but my hunch is he does not go. And, um, you know, look, San Francisco kind of lives in Green Bay's head right now on both sides of the ball. And despite the real shorthanded nature of the Niners, it's going to look nothing like the team we saw last January, uh, Kyle Shanahan knows how to move the ball on the ground no matter who's back there. And, and Robert Sala, you know, despite missing some key elements on defense, you know, he knows how to find ways to put pressure on Rodgers, make him uncomfortable. So, I don't know, really interesting. Green Bay's a big favorite tonight, but mm-hmm. uh, it's almost a bit of a trap as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, running the football, Shanahan's offense, and regardless of who's back there, like you said, definitely concerning. Last week, we saw the Vikings do whatever they want running the football. Now they have a very talented guy in Dalvin Cook, but this has been a continued issue for the Packers and Mike Pettin's defense. What can be done? Is this 
more schematic, or is this more about the Jimmys and Joes? What side of the equation do you fall on when you look at the struggles they've had stopping the run? Yeah, it's it's really crazy because the week before, now granted, Houston doesn't run the ball all that well, but the Packers were really good against the run against Houston, and they went into Sunday's game ranked 12th in the NFL in yards per game given up on the ground. I thought maybe, you know, they had really turned a corner, and obviously they, they did not turn any corners against Alvin Cook, who, you know, he's, he's special, but yeah. the missed tackles is something we've seen against elite running backs, and we saw it with Alvin Kamara in the Saints game that, that Green Bay won, but Kamara did anything he wanted. And I, I kind of lean to the schematic side. I've, I've been a petting guy for a long time, but I start to wonder with all the defensive capital they've brought to this team via the draft, especially, and then uh, via free agency last year, I feel like there has to be enough talent on this side of the ball. And uh, I wonder if you know the, the ability of teams to just run outside at will on this defense, to me, points to just you know some, some errors in scheming and game plan. And, yeah, they haven't had a lot of athletes inside linebacker. That's been something I've sort of beat the drum for a long time. Kamal Martin looks like he could give them a shot in the yard. Kirksey's been hurt. Uh, come on, Martin, the rookie now is going to miss this game on the COVID list. So they don't have much uh, going for them at, at linebacker tonight as far as stopping this running attack. So, uh, you know, Trent Williams is going to miss the game at left tackle. They're down a couple linemen. They're just, I mean, decimated, obviously, with no real threat to throw the ball. I don't know. I've never heard of the receivers who are going <laughs> to suit up for the Niners tonight. But uh, I have a feeling something, you know, Jamichael Hasty, the running back, might become a well-known name and a fantasy wire pickup because he's going to get his yards tonight, and I'm really curious to see how Green Bay responds after last Sunday. Yeah, different year. I had no idea. I, uh, the, the quarterback for the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football. Who the hell is this when he's playing for the Cowboys? Uh, Dave right. Sinekin, uh is our guest. Dave, were you surprised that they were quiet at the trade deadline? I know from following it on Twitter that the Fuller was at least discussed, but apparently the, uh, Houston wanted a second-round pick, and the Packers thought that that was too rich for their blood, knowing that uh, they might be you know, watching him walk out the door at the end of the season. Did they get close anywhere else? Were they looking at a position specifically? Well, Packer fans will never be surprised that they didn't make any noise at the trade deadline. I mean, there were very few trades made, as we saw. Right. I think the COVID rules also made it difficult this year because you weren't going to get a guy to be able to play for a while. Uh, I, I do think they were very interested in Will Fuller. Um, Matt LaFleur coached with him in Notre Dame in 2014. There's a history there. But he's a real gamble, guys. I mean, he's He's a guy that has not stayed healthy in his career. He's been just injury-prone throughout. Uh, he's a free agent after this year, so it would probably be a rental unless you're looking at finding a 10 to $12 million payday for mm. him, which looking at Green Bay's free agents, that was not going to be an option. So uh, reports were that Houston wanted a two and Green Bay offered a four. Uh, you would have thought, you know, if Green Bay really wanted the kid, you, you just swallow hard and give up a third, but it sounds like that was never on the table, and, and there were really no other names thrown out there at receiver that they were really sniffing around. So I think they feel like Alan Lazard's close to coming back. He is a legit number two guy. Uh, they're still a little thin beyond, behind that, but they, they run a lot of double tight end looks. Those two tight ends caught 10 balls combined last week for over 100 yards. And they're going to be more involved. So I don't, I don't think it's as huge a need. It would have been kind of fun from a fantasy standpoint to see Will Fuller, but I would have liked to have seen a big, fat defensive lineman to put next to Kenny Clark. I think that would have helped Green Bay a lot more. 
With that, uh, we've talked about the former Cyclone and Alan Lazard, Christian Kirksey, the former Hawkeye, back practicing. What can you tell us the expectations of him going tonight? And uh, the other former Hawkeye, Joshua Jackson, saw extended playing time really for the first time last week. Your thoughts on what you saw against the Vikings? Well, he had a bad game against the Vikings. He had played really well against Houston. And uh, some of the chatter was starting to be that maybe Josh Jackson could be the answer and you move on from Kevin King after this year. He's a free agent. He's a nice cornerback, but never plays 16 games. He'll miss a fourth game tonight. Uh, so there was an opportunity for Josh Jackson, but he really struggled tackling. There were lots of opportunities to get Dalvin Cook down, uh, and he really had a hard time. That was not a game where the pass was really even a threat. I think Cousins threw the ball 15 times. So he regressed. He'll get an opportunity tonight against, again, receivers that we've never heard of. So I expect him to play well and bounce back. But it was a bit of a downer for Jackson last week. The other two guys are both still on IR, but they can be activated. Kirksey and Lazard could be activated today um, and, and be eligible to play tonight. I don't think either will. I think Lazard has a better chance than Kirksey, another kid that just can't stay healthy. Uh, and They desperately need him, especially tonight with, with no Kamal Martin and a team that loves to run the ball. I mean, watch Green Bay's linebackers tonight. Ty Summers, the seventh-round pick a year ago from TCU, is probably going to get a lot of playing time. And he has not looked real good when he's gotten that opportunity. Uh, Dave Sinek and theheadcheese.com. Dave, uh, appreciate you coming on. Give us a little update on this game. We'll watch and see if Lazard does make it back then. Bakhtiari, did you mention him? Is he going to go? Again, questionable. Oh, Both tackles wow. are questionable tonight. And I just... Uh, if, if Bakhtiari doesn't go, uh, Billy Turner has to play left tackle and Wagner's out, then I don't know who plays right tackle. So that's, that's a key thing to watch 90 minutes before game time tonight if you have a specific interest in this game. If Green <laughs> Bay uh, is, is missing their tackles, Bakhtiari and Wagner, uh, it, it could be a long night for the pack, even with the depleted team they're facing. And sports wagering is legal in Iowa. Mm-hmm. There'll be a lot of people oh, that's within right. it. That's that's right. Right. Indeed. Dave Sinekin, we'll talk to you next week. Dave, thank you. All right, guys, take it easy. Good to talk to you. TheHeadCheese.com, Dave Sinekin on the Packers. Boy, oh, boy. <laughs> Who's playing might have been easier to ask, right? <laughs> right. The list Jeez. on both sides is incredible. I'll mention that point spread has now gone over a touchdown through the key number of seven, up to seven and a half, mm. pretty much across the board in Vegas. Might be able to find a seven, but you're going to have to pay some juice for it. Looking at the public money right now, 87% of the tickets and 74% of the cash are on the Packers. Hmm. Seems too easy. It does. You know, Dave, Dave said something that surprised me a little bit when he talked about next week against the Jaguars, and that might be one of their easier games mm-hmm. left on the schedule. Trent, I look at it, I think they got a lot of easy games. they got to play the Eagles. Not bad. got to play the Bears twice. That's pretty good. got to play the Lions. Like that. Uh, Titans is tough. I'll give you that. Yeah. Colts, maybe. The Titans' defense stinks. They're, they're, they're awful. That's Sunday night football, two days after Christmas. So they're five and two. More likely, ten and six or twelve and four. Let me look because I think eleven and five is probably the number. All right, so uh, so five and two. I think they beat the Niners. They beat the Jaguars. That is seven. Colts no. Bears are going to split eight. Eagles nine. Lions ten. Panthers because eleven is the number. Up. <laughs> Titans is eleven the number. Eleven the number. I'll so go. is it twelve or ten? Oh, that's a good number. <laughs> Amazing how that works. The kind of casino knows what's up. Uh, that's a good number. I would go, gee. They got two losses left. I'll go. <laughs> 12. 12. You're going 12. Optimism. 
I think ten and six. I uh, probably. I think eleven and five. Oh, right, and give me my money back. And that's the money. Yeah, right. That's a that's a good number, Trent Condon. All right, we'll take a timeout. Lee Sterling is going to join us. Speaking of numbers, this is what Lee does for a living. ParamountSports.com. How many games did he give us? Did you look at this list? I think it was five again this week that we'll be going through. I've got them in front of me. We're All going right. to talk about Clemson, Notre Dame, uh-huh. Texas, West Virginia. Yes. Well, you know, there's a lot of West Virginia love out there. What am I missing about that team? I watched them play Baylor and thought, mm, they're two really like bad Deggie. teams. And, and he's he's popped a couple of times yeah. to me. He was number two on Pro Football Focus, and that list. line kind of stinks. Texas always plays close games. I think that's why that's hovering around that touchdown. Well, in the letdown factor, too. Oh, that big win over Oklahoma yep. State in overtime. Uh, Michigan, Indiana, we'll all pine on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, and the Hawks in Michigan State. He did not include this week the Cyclones and Baylor game. His game of the week is uh, Minnesota and Detroit, and he's with us when we return on Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty KXNO one zero six. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM, this is KXNO. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, as promised. Let's get to our friend Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com. Got a five-pack of games to opine on. We'll do that in a second. Lee, Trent, and Ken, thank you for coming on. Lee, uh, there's estimates out there, away from sports for just a second, mm-hmm. that, the, uh, that the states uh, leaving about $3 billion worth of wagers, which I don't know what the number would be tax-wise, on the table by not making wagering on, uh, uh, on the presidential election legal in this country. More and more states are joining the sports wagering or the wagering um, phenomenon, if you want. Uh, what do you think we'll have this by the time 2024 rolls around that you'll be able to wager on this legally in this country? I think so. Yeah, I, I mean, it makes sense to allow people to do it. I mean, <laughs> look at the interest. I mean, it's right. going on. I was exhausted. I went to sleep about 2.30 Eastern time, and I wake up at 6 o'clock, and my, I'm looking at my messages, and I have friends who obviously gamble with me, and we're texting back and forth all the time, and also people all around the country who are in my business and who are friends. And I had I had like 14 different texts, and people were like, uh, maybe should we think about betting Biden now? It's uh, mine, you know, he's now plus 450, 480, 520. Um, and then the other way, you know, isn't Trump a value? You know, right when, right when the elect, when some of these, uh, right when they're getting ready to release some of the results. So, it, I mean, I've never seen anything go as haywire as it, it did. Crazy. And, uh, I mean, at one point, I mean, both, both. I mean, at, at one point, I think maybe a couple a week, ten days ago, Biden was like a two sixty, two eighty favorite. Then he was to be a you know a plus five twenty underdog while they were counting the votes late late night Tuesday night. So um, if if you were a really good scalper, you made a lot of money. Yeah, no if doubt. It turns, if it turns if if it turns out Biden ends up winning. When you look at this and you look at the legalization across the, the United States here, more and more states jumping aboard, would you anticipate by 2024 this is something we'll be able to bet on in, in the markets? I think so. I, I mean, it's smart to do it. I mean, 
you know, even if it, even if they don't have it, you know, opening it up and opening up new different things. I mean, look, there was there was a five million dollar bet on <laughs> on Donald Trump uh, the day of the election, Tuesday morning. Wow. So uh, I think there was a one point six something million dollar bet placed on on uh, the other way on Joe Biden also that day. Mm. So look at the interest. I mean, yeah, it's there. for a couple of days. Fox News and CNN and MSNBC or they're rake. This could go on for another week or two, yeah, a month or two. It's clearly not over. It's fun. That's uh, that's no. what uh, provided me the entertainment. Is no one has someone this is, doesn't this have is a dog. Like, this is like this is like uh, I mean, almost watching like five Super Bowls all at once. It was crazy. It was fun. And, and yep. Darren Ravel's yep. Twitter feed and the Action Network was just wild. Anyways, Lee, here and now yep. stuff we can bet on, including here in the state of Iowa, Trent. Let's uh, get in with a big national game this week. Notre Dame welcomes in Clemson. Five and a half the number right now. Tigers are favored on the road against the Irish, of course, without Trevor Lawrence. So I, I think it's crazy that he's allowed to travel with the team. I mean, if he was uh, the third Oh, screen, is he? Yeah, he's traveling with the team. He's going to be on the sideline. Wow. I think at least be on the side to say he's traveling with the team. I mean, this makes no sense. I mean, if you're playing great, if you're not playing, you stay behind. But I think his backup, who is, I know the number one quarterback, I know he's in the mm-hmm. top five two years later as far as uh, recruits. To be able to have that kind of guy behind Trevor Lawrence makes life a little bit easier. And, and also, if he had just played and they won 52-10, to 10, it wouldn't have been so great. But that experience being down 28-13 in the game in the third quarter, I think really helps him. And here's something. I'm always taking notes as I'm watching games, and I'm always writing. Like I, I noticed the last couple of games, like Clemson, great pressure. Even if they don't get sacks, uh, they just keep getting tackles for loss. In fact, they lead the nation at 9.3 tackles for loss. And I think that they're going to put a lot of pressure on Notre Dame. Ian Book's not the same this year. I mean, you just watch his mental state the way he gets under center. And he had a lot of swag the last couple of years, not this year, with his receivers getting almost no separation. And I think that's what's going to doom them there. they got to hit on some big plays. And that uh, Clemson defensive line is going to get pressure, and the cornerbacks are, are a lot better than the, the cornerbacks they've faced. I like Clemson, 28-20. Texas is at home. Uh, West Virginia, the Mountaineers will head to Austin. They're getting six and a half points. Texas coming off a nice win in OT. Yeah, you know, it took a 4-0 turnover advantage and a kickoff return for Texas to beat Oklahoma State in overtime. Give the kids for Texas credit. They, they, they struggled, but they somehow won the game. They only had 287 total yards. In that game, somehow they scored 41 points. West Virginia's offense really getting going now uh, versus a normal stingy Kansas State D. Uh, they went for 485 yards and 37 points. Their defense, different level this year and past years, number four in the country. They're also a uh, visitor, 4-0 against the spread in the series. I think the wrong team's favored. I have West Virginia Winning this game, thirty three, thirty one, and wow. the pressure could be back on Tom Herman. So you think with the mountain, you you're a Mountaineers believer, then, right? You can get some good right money there on yeah. the money line. I mean, things happen. I mean, hey, at one point after two games, I thought Georgia was the best team in the country. Okay, yeah. But then you know their swag got taken away by Alabama. You know, if Alabama had gone into that game and and beaten the game before they had won over Mississippi like fifty two ten, I think Georgia would have won the game. But being had their you know, having a practice like that the week with Nick Saban when you don't perform well, I think, you know, they performed at a high level and now Georgia's got problems uh on defense. They got three starters out. So you know, things change quickly. Joined by Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports, as we go through his weekly five-pack of games with us on Miller and Condon on KXNO. Another one where at least some people believe the wrong team is favored. Indiana at home getting three points against the Michigan Wolverines. 
Indiana leads the Big Ten East. I mean, wow. <laughs> I mean, uh, they're two running backs. Stevie Smith and Samson uh, James combined for 112 yards last week. But remember, it was against Rutgers. Yeah. IU, I think they're too dependent on their quarterback, Michael Penix, and their, their wide receivers. Um, their secondary is allowing 70% completion percentage. I think that's too high. I expect Michigan quarterback Joe Milton to have ups and downs, and this game might be the one where he's up against an IU defense that hasn't faced a mobile quarterback this year. And I'm watching their defense. I think they're going to have trouble with his style of play. I like Michigan here, 31-24. All right, back to the Big 12. K-State, Okie State. Uh, Oklahoma State is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. They're in the meat of their schedule right now, Lee Sterling, coming off a loss. Both teams coming off a loss. Yeah, and uh, I, I just think that 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 Oklahoma State, you know, they just they just can't win big games. I think Kansas State's going to slow this game down, and I, I just just think they had a bad they put the bad game out of their system. Um, I just I just have trouble backing Gundy in big games, and they just keep throwing the same routes over and over that 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 long that the takeoff route. And I just think they got to be a little more sophisticated on offense, even though they have a great receiver there in Wallace. So I uh, Kansas State, I think Iowa State. I mean, I think Oklahoma State wins this game. Something like 28-24, but I'll take the double-digit points here in Kansas State. Yeah, up to 12.5 now Is for it really? Oklahoma State. Finish it up yep. here with the in-state squad, Iowa, as they take on Michigan State. The Hawkeyes in 0-2 start. Michigan State gets off the mat after losing to Rutgers in those seven turnovers. Rocky Lombardi coming back to his home state. <laughs> Sparty getting a touchdown. Yeah, and the Spartans' upset of Michigan last week was possibly the biggest upset maybe in decades. Uh he and Ricky White, I mean, the receiver, they just were masterful last week. I expect Iowa's offense, I think they need to open it up. They need to obviously play cleaner, but they got to be aggressive. You know, go maybe to some hurry up. you gotta, you got to change the pace. Um, you got to throw a few wrinkles out. They need a win desperately. I think they do it. An 0-2 home team is often a dangerous animal. Give me Iowa here, 30-17. All right, your game of the week, the Vikings and Detroit. No Matthew Stafford. If the listeners want more information on this NFC North tilt, how do they reach you, Lee? Just call me here at the office, 800-400-9741. We'll give them that game for free. I'll also give them the Iowa State-Baylor game for free. Both games. Just call 800-400-9741. We've won eight out of nine weeks. I don't know anyone in the country that's done that. And uh, I rate my games from 10 to 50 units. Every four or five weeks, we'll have a 40 or 50-unit play where I think I've got a big advantage. And we're 49-15-1 on those games going back now over the last 12 years. I found a 40-unit game on Saturday and a 50-unit game. Wow. First time ever, a 40 and a 50-unit in one day. They want to get it. bunch of different options available. You can purchase those games individually. You can get the weekend. Uh, and then... To save a lot of money, you can get our monthly special for two ninety seven. You get four weeks of our phone service. So check everything out. I'd love to have you aboard. We're, we've never had a season like this. ParamountSports.com or 800-400-9741. Real quickly, in 30 seconds, tonight's game uh, for the Niners. Nobody that touched the ball in the NFC Championship last year against the Packers is going to be on the field. How, how do you handle this? Tough game. Yeah. I mean, tough game. That you, you, that's the unknown. Tell your you clients watch. to pass. Um, we'll see what the line. What happens with the line? I think if it's a touchdown or less, it's probably Green Bay. You know, look, look at look at last week. Everyone was playing Tampa Bay against the Giants, and what happens? Giants yeah. cover. Indeed, Lee. We'll talk to you next week. Yep. Thank you, Lee Sterling. Okay, thanks, we'll talk guys. to Lee Sterling. ParamountSports.com. ParamountSports.com. 
Hawkeye and Cyclone conversation coming up in hour number two. Miller and Condon take you until noon. Uh, it's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.